Independent Business Podcast is brought to you by HoneyBook, the all-in-one platform for anyone with clients. Book clients, manage projects, and get paid faster all with HoneyBook. You can use the code podcast to get 20% off your brand new account and let business flow your way. This episode is good for the soul. It is so good for the soul. In fact, you're going to want to listen to it multiple times. I am calling that right off the bat. When we talk about the science of self-made success, we're not just talking about sales and marketing. We're not talking just about data analytics. We're also talking about things that are difficult to quantify. The you, the human being behind the business, the one whose heart and soul makes all of the magic happen. And in today's episode, we are sitting down with one of my favorite poets, authors, and actors to dig into that conversation. Ariel Astoria was born and raised in foggy Northern California and now calls Los Angeles home. She's a multi-passionate, multi-talented creative who is a poet. She's an author, an advocate, and an actor. She has worked with companies such as Google, TEDx, Dressember, Lululemon, Skims by Kim Kardashian, and many more. Ariel has also been making strides in the commercial and television worlds. She has been seen in commercials for brands like Etsy, Starbucks, PayPal, TJ Maxx. You've probably seen her on your television screen. She's kind of a big deal. And her brand new book, The Unfolding, An Invitation to Come Home to Yourself, just hit shelves. This conversation, it is fantastic. At the very end of the interview, she also gives us the opportunity to hear one of the poems from her new book and it is chosen with intention specifically for all of you. So I have no doubt one of y'all needs to hear this today. Make sure you don't miss the end of the episode. Hey everyone, this is your host, Natalie Frank, and you're listening to the Independent Business Podcast. More people than ever are working for themselves and building profitable businesses in the process. So on this show, I sit down with some of the most influential authors, entrepreneurs, and creators to break down the science of self-made success so that you can achieve it too. Thank you so much for joining me, Ariel. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I am so excited to have you here. I've been following your journey for years and years and years, and I know I tell this story a lot, but um, <laughs> you came out and spoke to our Rising Tide leaders when we were in Minneapolis, and when I tell you, to all the listeners, <laughs> if you are not familiar, let me tell you, you are in for a treat today because I witnessed as we went from laughing to full body chills <laughs> to people weeping in the audience, mm. full on weeping in the audience. You have such a gift and such a talent. And I am so excited to be having you on the podcast to talk about all things business and the book that you're bringing into the world and you've just brought yeah. into the world. It's yeah. it's going to be such a great episode, but I'd love to just give our listeners a little bit of background into what brought you to the point of writing mm. your new book, Unfolding. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, so many brought me to that point, to be completely honest. I think a lot of the journey that I found myself in, a lot of ourselves find ourselves in, in leading up into the pandemic, it was kind of like, who am I? What are we doing? What is this space where we thought it was just going to be two weeks and it ended up being 
years like and we just i did this unraveling of just what do i believe and and what do i stand for and who am i in the midst of that and and what does it mean to be an artist in that and what does it mean to be a, a black woman in that and and just kind of undoing and and literally unfolding mm. a lot of those beliefs and a lot of those conversations and so for me, it was just a season of really learning about myself and really having to separate the voices of other people, um, the loud minorities, well, I've heard it called, of, of just so much input. And I needed to sort through what was me, um, what was what I considered the voice of the divine, and where I wanted to go with both of those things. And so um, that's that season that I found myself in. I wasn't necessarily writing from that. Um, I had to write in order to um, get through a lot of those things. So I processed through poetry. I healed through poetry. So most of what you find in the book is just things I needed to sort out with myself. They're just words I needed to remind myself, to encourage myself, um, to heal, and everything in between. And so that that's where a lot of that space was birthed from, just a really pivotal season of changing and undoing and expanding and, and processing through those things. Yeah. And for business owners, you know, the past few years on the business side of things have been a professional unfolding of sorts, mm -hmm. you know, a, a kind of peeling back of what really matters in work, mm -hmm. right? When we yeah. work, what truly matters when we show up to our job, you know, are we bringing our whole self? Are we doing the work you're describing on the personal side? Um, you know, we saw, for example, over the last couple of years, but especially, you know, 2021, and then we saw some of it into 2022 is just this massive exodus from the workforce. So many people leaving their, their corporate jobs and a, a rapid rise of independent business ownership. We saw um, record setting numbers in 2021, 5.39 million new business applications, 2022, 5.1 million new business applications. And I say that to add the context of, you know, this has been a season of change, but it really revealed for people, you know, they they need to figure out what matters in their life. They need to figure out who they are um, in that story of their own lives. And so, you know, your book truly is coming at such a critical moment for everyone. It is a book for everyone. Yeah. But as a business owner, I would say this is a book you absolutely need on your own personal journey so you can show up, you know, as the best version of yourself. And I'm curious for you. So you're going through this experience. You are processing through your creativity, through the yeah. incredible art that you create. And I'm wondering though, was it hard for you to write about certain seasons of your life? Like how was it for you writing about those moments that may have been painful or may have been uncomfortable and to be so vulnerable in how you show up? What was that experience like? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that process of was grueling. If you, it was, it was very. It's a, it's like an extraction. Um, when we think of the concept of an extraction and something, you're you're pulling things out of yourself. Um, you're in it, and I've cried. Uh, I cried a lot during this process. And in my first draft, actually, my editor, she she was like, she finished it, she read it, and she just so happened to be in LA that week, and she was like, let's let's meet, you know. So we met and we we're chatting and hanging out. And <laughs> of course she was like, I can tell that you're holding back. Like I can mm. tell um, that you're not letting yourself fully go there. And I wasn't, she was, she completely read me cause I, I wasn't. And I was purposely, I have the ability to be vulnerable, to be open and still keep this level of surface. So keep this level where I'm not fully going to the depth, but I've, 
I've done it. I've done this so well. I've perfected this so well that you, you might think I'm going really deep, you know, like, like you might think I'm being really honest. And so, and I'm always being honest, but I may still be protecting myself and I may still be protecting other people. And, and I think for me, it was like, I never wanted to write this really juicy, you know, tell all, like, I don't want to bring people down. I think we as humans are doing the best we can with what we have, but how can I share my story honestly and the parts that hurt and the parts that I needed to experience and and to face while also honoring other people and while also other honoring my story. And so it was hard and I had to let myself get there. In every draft, it was just getting chiseling a little deeper and a little deeper, but that didn't mean there wasn't tears and that didn't mean there wasn't wine along with the process. The process is hard, period. But when you're writing yes. the kind of book that you're writing, I can only imagine you're 10xing mm. that that experience and yeah. kind of the the weight on the other side. And any piece of great art takes a little mm. bit of our soul with it. Like it, mm. it just kind of requires us to go there and to lean in. And I'm curious yeah. for you personally, what has your own journey of unfolding and coming home to yourself truly look like? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's so fun thinking about this question because it looks so different in the season of writing a book. It's been like three, three-ish years now of the whole process, you know, so it looks very different. And while writing it, I was learning how to come home to myself. I was learning um, how to go through those phases of awakening to these new parts of myself and awakening to these parts of myself that had changed and evolved while also finding space to grieve those aspects of myself, which is what the eclipsing journey is like. That's what that chapter is, that grief of change. We don't talk about the grief of change. We talk about the grief of loss, but it's the same thing, losing parts of us, losing who we were or what we did believe. There's a grief that comes with that for ourselves and for other people who are familiar with us being that way, you know, and then there's an illuminating a bringing light to, okay, this is who I'm, who I am today. This is who sits before you. And this is the light of what I've left. You know, this is what I've kept to at, at, at bay. Maybe this is what I've been afraid of. And then we mend, you know, we bring in what makes sense and we heal and and those broken pieces are still there you know we still see them um, but we're allowing space and room for us to figure out what it means to connect those two and to leave the rest and then um, we return we return back to ourselves and this fullness and trusting our gut and trusting our voices and trusting that um, our presence and what we're bringing to the table matters in this world and so that's that's what the book was it was just me trying to realize those things. Now I'm in a season of practicing those. Now that I've gotten this under my belt, um, now I can show up a little bit more bold, a little bit more um, oomph in my spine, if you will. And so now coming home to myself just looks like I, I told my therapist this week, I just was like, I feel very sure of the ground I stand on now. And that what didn't look like this three years ago, three years ago, it was very rocky and it was very shaky, but now there's this groundedness and this awareness of, of who I am and, and what I'm doing and what I'm creating. And that feels really beautiful. It feels, it's a really fun space to be in, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to be back in 
the figuring it out all over again because everything is cyclical. It's not linear and, and it happens all at once and at different times. And um, and so right now I'm in that space of feeling grounded and really honing in on that um, and, and being confident in that. Yeah. Talk to me and the business owners who have ever asked themselves the question, do I matter? Does the work mm. I do really matter? Because something I yeah. heard as you went through that process is you arrived at the end and you kind of said, you know, like, not only did I feel grounded, but like there, there was a sense of understanding the magnitude of the impact and the fact that the world really needs mm-hmm. what you've got. The mm. world needs what you have to offer and you've sure. shown up and done that. And I say this because I know, I know the past few years have just been so challenging for this community and everyone comes into it with different lived experiences and different challenges that they're they're walking through these you know auditory or visual doors with whether you're watching or listening to the podcast but nonetheless i know a lot of people have felt really discouraged and need to return kind of back to themselves need to feel this sense of groundedness so to that person like what encouragement would you give yeah well know that that disencouragement means that you're really um you're really passionate and you what you're doing matters a lot to you. So let that be just like a reminder um, of like, I care so much about this and, and having that be a fuel then, you know, like I, I think about when Amanda Gorman first came into the picture and I, I lost it. I was like, okay, I'm going to go get another job. There's no more space for me in this world. Um, She's taking it all. And all right, great. What am I going to do? Like I literally had a downward spiral and Uh my sweet spouse, my sweet, sweet spouse, my sweet partner, he was like, there's room for both of you. There's room for Amanda Gorman and there's room for Ariella Storia. And I really, really needed to hear that. And I think I just give that back to you. There is room for whoever it is that you're comparing yourself, whoever you're thinking is taking up all the space they are not, there is room for what you have. There is room for what you're bringing to the table. And it's, I think about a lot of it, I had attended an event and each person, you know, we were speaking on different topics and things like that. And, and we realized in the audience, someone spoke over all of the speakers. They were like, each of you was going to speak to a different person in the room. You're not, you yourself are not going to be for everyone. That's not realistic. Everyone has different palettes and different things they need to hear in different spaces that they're sitting in. So it's not really realistic for you to speak to every single person in the room, but you will speak to a select few who are specifically there to encounter you. And when you think about that monument and that power, we lose what social media often gives us as the reach, you know, and the numbers of thing. And you really kind of like hone in, you know, like there might be three, four, five in this room of a hundred, and I'm going to speak to those three, four, five people. And so knowing that it's not, it's not for not, you know, like what you're doing is for someone somewhere at some point in time and that needs to be our direction and our fuel it's not for everyone you know and that's okay that would be exhausting (laughs) to be for everyone and to hold that kind of load so know that there's a group of people that your work that your knowledge that your expertise is for and let it be for them you know and they will receive just the most beauty from that you know and I think that's what's important not the numbers not the reach just the few 
if we could come back to the few, I think there's a ripple there. I agree. I've always said, you know, especially in the community building work that I've done, if you can impact one person's life, that Mm -hmm. is so much more than enough. Like one person being impacted by your work, your creativity, that's a legacy. That's a legacy to be proud of. We get caught up in those big numbers, but you are right. It's, it's getting back to, uh, back to, to understanding the value of each human being in that room or in that space or in your business that you can serve. Uh, so much value there. Did you always know you were going to go into this sort of work, this creative work, this, like, Mm. was there ever a world where young (laughs) Ariel imagined like working at a desk at a company or like climbing a corporate ladder? Yeah. Tell me about definitely, definitely not a corporate ladder. Uh, okay. d- that okay. was that was definitely not ever in my bones. I did, I did used to say I was going to be a teacher, so a little, a little corporate ish. Uh, okay. That was kind of my first heart and intention. Um, and then as I got into college, actually, I my initial heart was to do art therapy for gifted children, so children on the spectrum, children on any type of um, of level of of learning enhancements and needs and things. Like like that so that's kind of where I was where I started with being a little bit artistic but then also being a uh, very uh, uh organized and functional I'm a left and a right brain creative and I'm the oldest child so I I have a lot of practical bones in my body <laughs> and so at first it was like how do I connect this artistic theatrical aspect of who I am I'm not going to be an actor you know I'm not going to be on stage those were things I was genuinely telling myself and so I was like how can I just incorporate the two worlds and so my major is actually a psychology major that's what I went to school for um, with an emphasis in theater thinking that I would do art therapy and then obviously the stage and and more aspects of performing kept popping up in my life. And I just was like, I don't understand what's happening. Like, I'm not going to be on stage. So I don't understand why all these stage opportunities keep showing up. But I had always been a very flamboyant dramaturg of an individual as a kid even, you know, but as you get older, you start to shut out a lot of those dreams within yourself. And so there was a season of life where I wanted to do the practical thing. And then I slowly learned and realized, ah, I'm not made for the practical thing. So let's just throw that out and move forward from there, you know? Yes. Well, I I feel as though a lot of us can relate to the fact that we've wavered between these big, big dreams. Growing up and growing up has a, a tendency to kind of make mm. those dreams that once felt so possible now impossible. And then experiencing that wavering between do we stick to the practical? Do I chase right. after my passion? So I'm curious, you know, in your journey for those, especially because you do, you really do talk a lot about the discomforts that you've experienced. You talk a lot about the challenges that you faced, you know, for somebody who is feeling like they're at a stage where they're wavering. I mean, again, I, we just, I just had a conversation with someone about the economy, for instance, and like, there's Mm -hmm. so much conversation going on in the independent business world around you know, is this a bad time to be an independent business? Is this, Mm -hmm. you know, there's so much fear, so much uncertainty, what inspires you to keep going? Like when something doesn't pan out, sure. when you first think maybe I'll be an actor and then you're like, ah, I don't know, maybe I'm not going mm-hmm. to do it in that way. Or because again, mm-hmm. it's like you have invented and reinvented and mm-hmm. allowed yourself to explore the dynamic nature of your creativity from yeah. spoken word poetry to modeling to acting mm-hmm. now. I mean, I've, mm-hmm. 
you're kind of, a, you're a big deal, okay? I saw you modeling with Ashley Graham in lingerie. So we can just, like, you've done a lot Thank and you've you. run multiple businesses in that respect and kind of been yeah. this entrepreneurial creative. What keeps you yeah. going? Like when things don't go your way, when you hit those uncomfortable sure. moments, that friction, that frustration, that that no, yeah. getting told yeah. no. Well, I think that's been so much the foundation of, of being an artist. Like the... the everything is connected to rejection at some point. So mm. I, I just had to create a backbone with that. Um, I had to create a backbone with that. And I also had to trust um, that the spaces that would be open to what I offer, the the opportunities and the doors that would be open were doors that were just so very distinctly made for me and for what I was doing. So because there was that continuous the doors are opening and the doors are closing that lean into both. I'm like, okay, this is just part of it then not, you know, not, not making it in the way that I thought I was going to make it or that opportunity not unfolding in the way I thought it was going to unfold. That's just part of all this, you know, like, um, when you think of, of what you're making, like if it, if, if this whole thing is, is a cake, um, I know I need some yolk and I know I need, you know, some flour and I know. So I think these are all just the ingredients that make up the cake. Rejection is one of those ingredients. Doors closing is one of those ingredients. We're going in a different direction is one of those ingredients. You know, agencies not responding back to me is one of those ingredients. And that's just, I've learned now, I've created a backbone and not so much of a sensitivity of, of why don't they love me? Why don't they see me? You know, in a sense of like that wasn't for me. Um, yes. And I really, really have learned to trust that now. And also on the opposite end, really trust that the doors that open are going to be some really great doors and going to be doors that are very specifically for me and for the direction in which I'm going um, in my career and in my life. You know, even down to the book, even, I think I'd gotten a lot of conversations in like 2018 and I just wasn't ready. I wasn't ready to write a book. And I met my then, my now editor, uh, my now ad literary agent at the time, I met her in the season of trying to figure out how to either say no to these people or how to just move forward with a book and ideas that I didn't genuinely have. And she was the first person to tell me, you know, you don't have to write a book right now. <laughs> like, you know, you can tell these people no. And I was like, what do you mean? I can't tell these publishers no. I'm never going to get this opportunity again. And, and it's that deficit mindset that we tend mm -hmm. to find ourselves in of like, there may never be another this. And there won't, but there will be at the mm -hmm. same time. And I know that's so contradicting to hear. There won't be in that way, but there will be in a way that's so specific for you. And so I just had to trust that. And um, a year later, I was ready. I did have a proposal and I had people on my side and in my corner to where I wouldn't get myself in a situation that would have been really not lucrative for my career and where I was going. The only way to get to a great thing often requires us to say no to a good thing. And yeah. I had such a similar experience. Yeah. I had, you know, even in my own writing journey, had always wanted to write a book. It was a dream, you know, had always been a dream. And I had an offer extended to me shortly after my brain surgery by a mm. publisher that had just been following along with my own yeah. journey. And it was an amazing publisher, amazing mm. book offer, 
But in my bones, I was like, I don't think this is the book I'm supposed to write. Mm. Like this book is great that they want me to write, but the right. it's not what I'm supposed to write. And so again, similar yeah. journey. I said no. I went and crafted a new proposal and mm-hmm. trusted that by saying no to this really beautiful, great thing, because it wasn't yeah. the right time and the right content, it mm. allowed for for so much more of the journey to unfold in the books that I've written now. And so that takes it takes a lot of guts to yeah. to do something like that. And business owners experience it all the time, even down to the minutia of everyday client opportunities that inbound into the inbox, right? And you get you get something that comes in and you're like, I feel like I have to take this. I feel like I have to say yes to this. Yes. I see you're nodding yes. so much. Yes. I feel like you have to say yes to this because we we start to to move into that scarcity, like you said, that deficit right. mindset of- Yeah, that scarcity mindset. Mm-hmm. If I say no, it doesn't come my way. What are some of the ways that you've built up the confidence to be able to embrace that word no, embrace the fact that letting go of what isn't meant for you has allowed you to move forward into these spaces where you've just, you've thrived, you've completely thrived. What has helped you to build that confidence? I mean, I definitely, in the beginning of of it all, I said yes to a, a lot. And I think that helped me learn what to say no to, you know, because I said yes to everything. And I do think there, there can be a season for that, you know, especially with artists and creatives and, and trying to network and get yourself out there. Sometimes you just got to cast a very wide net. So my season of yes was me casting a very wide net. And then from that wide net, I was able to hone in a little bit more. And I'm like, yeah, I said yes to that one opportunity that honestly didn't pay well, but I gave my all to it. And that felt icky after. So I'm going to do less of that, you know, or I went to this event and I just morally couldn't agree with what was happening. And so I need to do less of that. And so it just was a matter of like, the widest net I cast, I was able to hone in from that and learn like, I don't want that again. And I think having advocates and having people, um, you know, getting a literary agent, having an editor, um, having social media management, having these people who could kind of be a third wall, you know, between me and funnel things a little bit because I do just take everything as is. I am a very trusting to a fault kind of person. Um, luckily, I have a part now who is like mm, smells funky I don't trust it and I'm like what do you mean it smells fun you know uh-huh. but and so I have a lot of um people in my corner now who can who I can kind of have um that funnel with and that filter through and also I think if it's like you know if it's what is the quote it's like if it's not if it's not a hell yes it's a no like if you're not absolutely pumped and excited about it that's your body that's your spirit that's your brain telling you you don't you don't want this and you don't genuinely want to do this. And it's not to be, you know, that language of like, well, I don't want to do it. It's not laziness. It's knowing that like you have to have the desire and the fuel and the passion. Otherwise it's not going to be your best work. So what's the point? You're going to result in things that aren't actually representative of the quality and quantity of work you're able to actually bring to the table because you don't actually, you're not in it you know, so you're just going to produce something. And that is sometimes necessary, you know, especially now in our season where 
are trying to figure out, you know, like, are we in a recession? Are we not? How are companies doing? How are they not? You know, we're in a very sticky space. So there are things I'm doing and saying yes to because I need to generate some bills and income. And I know that about myself and where I'm at. But also, I know there does need to be a level of passion and excitement about what I'm doing. Otherwise, the work is not going to show the quality and the quantity in which I know I can bring to the table. I love the balance in that. And I think it reminds me a little bit of how when you finally realize as a creative that the more you can focus on those things that do light you up, those things that do kind mm-hmm. of set your soul on fire and then remove mm-hmm. the rest from your plate, get it off. Yes. I mean, literally, I work at HoneyBook. That's like at HoneyBook, that's yeah. literally what we, that's, we're one of many yeah. amazing companies that tries to do that for, for business right. owners. It fuels that fire. And so you're right. There's that Mm -hmm. passion that has to be ignited for you to do your best work and to serve your clients well or to create from from such a healthy place. I am curious, though, in writing this book and going through your own process of unfolding, you know, why do you think so many of us are afraid of letting go and afraid Mm. of the discomfort that's required in order for us to become the best person that we can be or the person that we've always been meant to be? Why are we so afraid to go there? with ourselves. Yeah. yeah. See, I mean, it's safety. It's safety. It's the fear of, of being rejected. It's the fear of belonging, um, which right. is, is the one of, you know, is the greatest fear. Um, we, we desire, we deeply, deeply desire to belong. And if there's any level of risk that that could ha- not happen, we are, our fight and flight is going to kick into the T and we are not going to take it you know and so I think but there's a level of that but then there's also just like I think of like you know it's cold here in LA and weirdly cold here in LA and it's that morning where you're like okay the alarm has gone off but my covers are very very warm and I could just lay here and not be productive today and some days that's necessary but then there are also some days to just rip the covers off let the cold air meet you get in the shower, get your day started. And I think of that level of warmth and safety and familiar. I'm like, it's super cozy, but I know later in the day for me, if I don't wake up because I did some movement this morning, I'm going to be completely off, you know? So I have to take that risk. I got to get up. I got to start my day and I have to move forward. And so I think it's it's knowing that what we're putting in, your your risk is part of the investment. And I don't think we know that, you know, all the time. It's like risk, again, is a part of the ingredient. We need it in order to make this full, rich, really yummy thing that we're trying to create. We need it. And it's terrifying. Yes, no one's telling you it's not terrifying, you know. It is absolutely terrifying. And you're capable of doing it, you know, and you're capable of stepping into it, you know, and so know that it is scary and also let that fuel you. So that was what we call a mic drop. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, 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 and yes. Oh my gosh. Yes, yes, yes. I want to kind of round us out here with one big final question that I do ask at the end of every podcast episode. And I, after we do that, by the way, I would love if you're up for it to read a little Mm. excerpt from your book. Are you, are you willing to read a little something for us? Okay, good. All right. So let me ask my question. Then I I just want to allow our listeners to experience um, a little bit of what they're going to have to look forward to when they get their hands on, on your new book. The question is, and you can answer this however you want, as a creator, as a business owner, however you Mm -hmm. want to tackle it. 
Ariel, what do you think is the biggest differentiator between the businesses that succeed and the ones that fail? Hmm. I think there's there's a few layers to this. I think the difference is the ones that succeed have the people in it too. I think the businesses that take the people out of it, that number them, that specify them in, in a way that takes out the humanity is is where the failing comes in. In that regard, I also think that it takes out the humans running it. You know, like I love hearing conversations about these big companies and the, these big um, spaces that actually do work with the people working and running the organization. You're allowing them to take rest days. You're giving them yoga and massages on site. You're nourishing them throughout the day and not just like stuffing them with like coffee and just keep producing, keep... You're, you're reminding the people that they're people um, and that they're humans and not machines. And that's what's creating these businesses and these organizations that are sustaining because the people are sustained and nourished. And I think that's important. I also think that it looks at the zeitgeist of what's happening in the world. When we are just like, well, this is how we do it and this is how we've always done it, you are missing a huge opportunity to connect, to engage, and to reach. And I think not knowing and not understanding what's happening in the world around us is a reason why organizations, you know, um, businesses don't reach up to that part because they're not willing to expand and to take risk. I do think, again, there's also a level of taking risk. Don't be completely foolish with it. I think there's practical aspects to taking risk. But when we don't take the risk, again, this is always how we've done it. We're not doing, if it's not broke, don't fix it. But just because it's not broke doesn't mean it doesn't need to be enhanced, you know? And so, yeah, I think also, um, yeah, they're willing to change and they're willing to grow. I think that has to do with people too, but also building businesses as well. You're willing to change and you're willing to go grow in a way that it enhances and speaks to who you're trying, who who is your your um, demographic? Who is it that you're trying to reach? And are you gearing yourselves and functioning yourselves around who you're trying to reach? If you're not, then maybe that would be something to assess. So I think, yeah, those are the things that come that come to mind and that you're really into include. I think if your business looks one way, it's probably not going to be to its fullest potential because there's not a whole and roundedness to the people holding it. And I think that goes a lot into the diversity versus inclusion um, conversation. People should already be at the table and there should not be one type of person at the table, at every table. There should be an array of thought and experiences and backgrounds in order to have a full and rounded business, I think. Yeah. Yeah, those are my two cents. <laughs> I have loved this conversation. I wish we could keep going for days. I really do. I I really do. But I want to carve out a little time. Could you read to us? Could you share a little bit yeah. of your book with all of us? Yes. Um, I'm trying to think. One of my favorite spaces to um to lead, to read is uh, I'll read this one because I I think we're talking a lot about risk. And, and putting ourselves out there. And so this poem you can find in the uh, returning section um, or the returning chapter. I don't know what really phase it could be called any of those things, but this poem is called Out of Hiding. A friend came over one evening for dinner. I lit a candle. 
I vacuumed the carpet, fluffed the pillows, mopped the kitchen, the usual tidying. But I did not feel the need to hide. Unwanted pieces in the closets, mostly because they were already too full to begin with. I did not tuck the dirty laundry into an unseen place. Instead, the pile sat where the pile has sat. The corner clutter of my office stayed just as such. And what permission that is to not have to hide the unwanted pieces of who we are. To not tuck away under the bed the parts of us we find dirty. To let the clutter be clutter and know that we are still wholeheartedly and fully able to be embraced, loved, seen. Come out of hiding, love. Pull from under the bed the pieces of you hiding and come as you are. Come as all that you are. Why am I crying? Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> oh, I hope that one reached through whatever speakers you are hearing this through or whatever mm -hmm. you are reading this on or watching this on and touched mm -hmm. your soul. Ariel, thank you so much for pouring into this community and for sharing with all of us. We absolutely adore you. Where can our listeners learn more about the book? Where can they find it? Where is it yeah. for sale? Where can they follow yeah. along with your journey? Tell us all the things. All the things. So um, all things connected to me, you can search through my name, Ariel with the double L E Astoria. That's dot com. That's Instagram. That's Twitter. That's TikTok with an extra A at the end of Astoria because I can't figure out my login for my other account. Um, so we're living there. And um, you can find the book um, and the audiobook wherever audiobooks, ebooks, and physical books are sold. I have some links on my website um, where you can find those if you would like to shop black owned you can find the book through reparations club as well and then your local bookstore please go into your local store um, and see if they have it available there and if not maybe call them and be like you should have this book available there <laughs> so yeah the ebook I think is is really fun obviously I think I have a, a, a way of saying things as well as writing things so the audiobook is a great way to just hear me in the car as you're driving and going about your day um, and then and the physical book is just really pretty. So it might be something that you just want to have around. So I think yeah. I want one of each. So I will be buying okay. one of each um, because I, I just can't get enough. Thank you so much. Thank I'm so grateful you. for you and just have Thank loved so our much. conversation. Me too. Thanks for having me. That ends our episode of the Independent Business Podcast. Everything that we've discussed today can be found at podcast.honeybook.com. Head to our website for access to show notes, relevant links, and all of the resources that you need to level up. And if you've enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss our future content. Drop us a review and leave our guests some love on social. Thanks again for listening.